0: are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast
1: on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Want to take a second and thank you for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Also, I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. All right. On today's show, we're going to be breaking down Kentucky's 80-55 to win over Mount St. Mary's. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking about some college football playoff expansion and whether or not that could potentially be a good idea or a bad idea. We're going to talk about the positives and negatives. And then also, we're going to talk about it from a Kentucky fan's perspective, whether or not the Wildcats should be in favor of CFP expansion or not. going to go ahead and give you a hint based on the way that things are going in the SEC East. Uh, With Georgia at the top, I'm going to say that Kentucky fans should be in favor of college football playoff expansion unless you really just hate the group of five. All right, my name is Lance Daw, co-host of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also sports writer for USA Today for various SECs, uh, teams, but specifically on this show, we're going to be diving into all things Kentucky Athletics. Alright, so Kentucky victors over Mount St. Mary's 80-55 to 55 was the final score. Going to give some overall impressions here real quick, and then we'll just dive into the uh, the first and second half, and some notes that I had from uh, Kentucky's performance. So, right, uh, right out of the gate, just want to say, Oscar Shibway, <laughs> he is that dude. I, I I mean, he came over from West Virginia, and he was not going to be asked to do a whole lot offensively. Uh, but he has certainly uh, come along just fine over the course of these uh, first three games. Sheboy had 24 points, shot 11 of 14 from the floor, had 16 rebounds and assists, a steal, three blocks, uh, only two turnovers on the day. Really solid outing from Sheboy. He was all over the place, and this is kind of the way that I thought this game would go. I mean, we were sitting here saying that that Mount Saint Mary's was inefficient they were, uh, they, were various, they were they were a very slow-paced team and they didn't shoot a lot of threes and so kentucky was going to be able to take advantage and a lot of it stemmed from their athleticism, and we were right on that. We were right. Oscar Shibwe, again, 24 points, 16 rebounds, 11 of 14 from the floor. If you watch this game, I mean, it was just figuring out different ways to get him the ball. It was just almost every single possession. Okay, how do we figure out how to get the ball in the hands of Shibwe down low and just let him go to work? You saw early on, you saw his his mid-range game working, which is something that we've not gotten to see so far this season. He was pulling up from the free throw line. I believe he hit three uh three in a row, not three in a row consecutively consecutively on back to back to back trips, but whenever he whenever you got a, a chance to shoot the ball, I believe he was hitting like three. He, I know he hit three in the first half, and he might have hit one in the second, but he's really expanding his role on this team offensively, and it was really impressive to watch. Okay, Severe Wheeler, I think, was the other guy we got to talk about real quick before we dive into well, what I saw from the first half. Six of eleven from the field. Had, uh, had, one, had one total rebound, but he had eight assists, 12 points on the night for the uh, Georgia transfer. Only one turnover, really solid outing from Wheeler. It was an issue, and in, in SEC Network actually brought this up on the broadcast. It was an issue for Wheeler last year at Georgia, the turnovers were. And he's really cut down on that, and on top of that, he's figure out, figured out how to have a little bit of a shooting stroke. And that's going to be really, really dangerous for upcoming upcoming opponents. And I'll talk about him later on in the show and how this offense operates. But man, he is uh, he he is a threat on this team. And just having him and Sheebway, I mean, they're just an incredible duo. Also on the SEC Network broadcast, I love how they compared the uh, the duo to uh, Malone and Stockton. Like they were saying, obviously these guys are not operating on the level that those two were, and they probably never will. But you see some similarities between the the relationship that Shebway and Wheeler have. Uh, just really awesome stuff from uh, from the guard and the and the uh, the forward. All right, let's go ahead and get into some first half impressions. Kentucky elected to use some really weird lineups. Now I know that we've talked a lot about guards on this podcast and how and how and how important shooting is going to be for the Wildcats moving forward. It's something that they didn't necessarily have a lot of last year. And they weren't necessarily utilized in this game a a ton. And it was, I I don't know if it was necessarily to the detriment of the offense, but Kellen Grady did not take a shot in the entire first half. One of the starting players did not take a shot in the entire first half. And I just don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell Coach and I'm not trying to tell this team how to operate. I mean, they did score 80 points and they did win but it feels like whenever you put out lineups that consist of Brooks and, and somebody like Bryce Hopkins or, 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 uh, or, or Collins or Canada, if you're going to put out all of these bigs on the floor, you better, figure, you better know how to score with them because you're leaving a bunch of really talented guards that can shoot on the bench. And one of the guys that I'm talking about specifically that can shoot is Ty Ty Washington. Who knocked, down, who knocked down a pair of threes in this game. He was two of three from behind the arc. And he had not he had not made one yet this season. You've got to be able to get it to Ty-Ty. You've got to be able to get it to Kellen Grady. You've got to be able to get it out to to these scores. Davion Mintz was not a factor in this game, but he's a guy that could be a scorer down the line, shooting the ball well. So whenever you elect to go into these bigger lineups, make sure that you know what you're doing with these guys or else you're going to... You're going to create shooting slumps, and I know that obviously bigger lineups are probably going to have better success on defense against teams that are that are not uh, power six and are are struggling offensively like this Mount St. Mary's team is, but we didn't necessarily see that in the first half. Mount St. Mary's had 27 points in the first half. the The game was relatively close. It was a back and forth affair. I believe at one point there was like seven or eight different lead changes before Kentucky finally started to pull away in this game. So if you're going to go into those bigger lineups, understand your situation and understand what you're going to have to do offensively in order to sustain consistency. And again, this is something that we were highlighting here on here on the show is that Kentucky, I don't think they understand their offense yet. I don't think they understand who their best five players are yet. And so they're really just trying to figure out that right now. And they're going to have. Plenty of opportunities to do it down the line. They certainly, uh, it looked like they were trying to do it in this game. But I I will just say the the four forward lineup with with uh, with somebody that that is not Ty Ty Washington or severe severe Wheeler running the point. That's not that's not a lineup that I want to see very often, especially heading into SEC play. Something that that was highlighted before the game started: only nine scholarship players available. Uh, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, C.J. Frederick, obviously, all, all out. Lance Ware was out within, uh, with, uh, with an injury, I believe. And so it made it easier for Calipari to kind of pick and choose his players to really figure out what this rotation is going to be like. Because I'm going to be honest with you, even with Toppin out, like these nine guys that got to really play significant minutes tonight, I mean, those are the guys that you're really going to see moving forward. You're not going to see a lot of Toppin. You're not going to see a lot of France Ware, or Lance Ware, excuse me, You're going to see some of these nine guys and just really working and honing your skills on these guys I think is really important. Something else that I noted in the first half, Kentucky didn't really put any pressure on the Mount St. Mary's offense. They let them get into their sets, and it led to a couple of easy buckets early. That's why Mount St. Mary's was in it for the the majority of the first half. When you don't put pressure on the ball, if you're, if you're athletically gifted as opposed to the other team, if you don't put pressure on the ball and you just let them run their sets, look, if they get into a shooting rhythm, they could knock down some shots. And that was a that was an issue early on. By the way, something else to note about this Mount St. Mary's team. This is something that we were talking about earlier on in the week. We didn't think that they were going to shoot a lot of threes heading into this game, and they shot 19 as opposed to Kentucky's 10 they they were trying to knock it down from outside and kentucky is fortunate that they weren't they weren't uh they weren't shooting as well they only shot 31.6% from 3 only made 6 of those 19 three-pointers kentucky's very fortunate that they didn't knock down more of those shots because then that game could have been prolonged in terms of how long mount saint mary's was was hanging on into it and so then that becomes a confidence issue. It was never in question, I think, whether or not Kentucky was going to win this game. I just want them to come out of the all of these contests confident, not and not arrogant, but confident and and prideful in a way of understanding your position and the college uh, college basketball landscape and being proud of the team that you have. So I want these guys, I want these kids to come out of this game playing to the best of their ability, and I want them to come out of games like this saying, "Yeah, we did our best, and that was the uh, that was that was a solid outcome." Starting it, it all starts on the defensive end. Defense wins championships. So if you're going to if you're going to set yourself up for success down the line, put some pressure on the ball. Kentucky didn't do that in the first first half, and uh, it led to some easy buckets. The spread and pick roll with Severe Wheeler was not there early on in the first half as well. That was that was uh, another n- another note that I had. He was uh, he was driving, and occasionally it didn't really look like the offense knew what it was doing. And uh, it led to re- some uh, really confusing moments for for Kentucky. And so again, it's it's working out the kinks in this non conference slate. It's trying to figure out okay, who's our best five? Who are the, our best five players? How do we operate this offense? And and what are we going to do on both end, ends of the floor in terms of rotation as the season goes on? Because you well, you can't play only five guys. You've you've got to be able to work some of these other guys in. What are their what are their roles look like? And how are they utilized? By the way, a guy that I talked about a lot earlier in the week, Damian Collins, did absolutely nothing in this game. He had two points, but it was two free throws. Didn't really get a whole lot of minutes. Uh, had, a, had a steal and a block and a couple of rebounds. A couple of personal fouls as well. But he was, a, in essence, a non-factor uh, in this matchup. And that, So those are, all the, those are all the notes that I have from the first half. And we will dive into what I thought about the second half because, man, the second half it got out to a hot start. We're going to talk about what I thought about the performance in the second half for the the uh, the Kentucky Wildcats in just a second. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I absolutely love Prize Picks, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and they offer all the star players of the Power 5 as well as mid-major players you might not have ever even heard of. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns to even interceptions thrown. And any user that makes a deposit using their promo code locked on will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, just be sure to use promo code locked on. You can pick 2 to 5 players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. It's that simple. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so for instance, you can take the over on LeBron James and the points that he scores combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes and his passing yards in the exact same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in literally 60 seconds or less, guys. It's that simple. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals, so don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. All right, so second half impressions, obviously, at the break, it was 27-38 to in favor of the Wildcats. It had kind of been a back-and-forth affair early, and Kentucky was really just trying to stick in it. They were shooting 28.6% from three, but 56.7% from the floor at halftime. 13 rebounds to 19 in Kentucky's favor. They had already created six turnovers. And they had gotten eight points off of those turnovers, had a couple of fast break moments that were that were nice to see. And in the second half, immediately from the jump, something that they weren't doing in the first half, they p- immediately started putting pressure on Mount St. Mary's in their, in their half court. And it was really nice to see it, created some turnovers. Mount St. Mary's had 16 on the day, and it led to some easy looks on the other end, led to a quick Mount St. Mary's timeout, and it felt like, okay, this game has already gotten out of hand it was it was it was at that moment early on whenever Kentucky got out to a 4-0 lead in the second half it's like okay that's it guarding wheeler when he goes downhill is really really tough is another note that i had from this from this game there's too many options whenever he he is trying to go downhill especially on the left side as that is his natural hand uh he he has way too many options to look at and i know that the uh, the the role was not there in the first half, but man, they they started using it in the second, and they didn't just use Wheeler. They started using Ty-Ty as well a little bit. He had three assists on the day Ty-Ty did. And so whenever you've got Wheeler moving downhill, he is a threat to score, as he proved a couple different times on different layups in this game. He's got Oscar Shibwe either trailing him or running alongside him or sitting there waiting in the paint on the receiving end of a dish. So you've got to watch out for Shibwe and what he's doing at a moment's notice. And then also, something that, I, that, that we, we, we talked about as could potentially be an offensive game plan for Kentucky is drive and kick and work way inside. And so it opened up in the second half where Kellen Grady was open for a couple threes. He was 3 of 5 on the day, 2 of 3 from downtown, only 8 points. But he was knocking them down whenever he was, he was getting the ball uh, either in the half court or in transition. He, uh, he is a guy that is offensively very efficient, and I think that uh, Kentucky's got to be able to look his way a little bit more. But, but Wheeler going downhill is, is probably going to be one of the more difficult things to stop in the entire nation this season for any team that plays Kentucky, even whenever they get to March Madness, because there are just so many ways that Wheeler can, can distribute or take care of the, the possession himself. If he wants to try and 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 create some offense on his own instead of distributing, which he has shown through these first three games that he is absolutely fantastic at, again eight assists in this game. We thought that he was going to get to ten, and then uh, Kentucky pulled him with about five minutes left, and it was it was a solid performance overall from from uh, Wheeler. Another thing that I took uh, away from this uh, this uh, second half, Kellen Grady does need more touches, like I was saying a moment ago. Only eight points, only five shots. Look, he is a guy that is just an incredibly gifted three-point shooter. If you're going to try and, and work some things off of those uh, severe wheeler pick and rolls and those different screens moving downhill and stuff like that, try and get Kellen Grady involved. He's probably your best shooter. He's probably, probably one of the better shooters in the entire nation. There's a reason he scored 2,000 points at Dav- Davidson. Get him the ball. Get him the ball the mid range is not where kentucky wants to live is also another another note that i took away from this game look there were so many times where kentucky pulled up in the mid range in this game in in the half court specifically and it was just so so weird it was like they they didn't know at certain times like i said in the first half that they didn't know what they were shoot didn't know what the, their shot was going to be they were just kind of like eh we'll fog this one up we'll see what happens in the first half, they were 9 of 16 on two-pointers away from the rim, which was 56%, but 35% is about average on those. But let, let, let's see Kentucky kind of step away from that, and they did a lot in the second half as well. We're, just, we're pulling up for middle range. We're, we're, we're throwing up a fadeaway. Let's get away from that because statistically those are not shots that are made very often, and that is not going to be offensively efficient down the road. Uh, again I just I, if there's something I would take a, another like big takeaway that I would take away from this game is Kentucky's trying to figure out their offense but the answer is not the mid-range the mid-range is not going to work like it did tonight every single night because you're going to run into teams eventually that have length like Kentucky Florida or excuse me Auburn Florida Mississippi State those teams are going to give you problems Tie Ty Washington had 16 points on the day I thought he looked absolutely phenomenal he can create his own shots he can create his off shots off the roll on the baseline in isolation he was seven of twelve on the day two of three from downtown 16 points again like I just mentioned tai tai as a freshman theres there were moments where he w- it was a very clear mistake he had four turnovers turnovers on the day. He's still very raw. He's still got a lot of things that he's got to work on in his game. But, man, something that he does, I think, very, very well is create offense in isolation and whenever it's just it's in one-on-one situations. And I think that he's going to be a very valuable piece uh, of this team uh, down the line. I think he's going to be a very key contributor, very much so a key contributor whenever uh, Kentucky gets to March, if they do get to March, which I hope they do. There was a slump. At this, at some point in the second half, where Kentucky didn't look like they knew what they wanted to do on offense, I've touched on this a couple of times already, but there were moments where it was just like they would get into a possession, didn't look like they were running anything. It looked like a motion offense out of out of something out of high school, where it's just like everybody's on, everybody's just motioning to different places. There's not any really set things that Kentucky's trying to do right now. They're uh, they're just they're just out there, and they tried to figure out what they were doing late in possessions, and sometimes it didn't work and it really didn't work for 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 a, a few minutes there in the second half between the 11 minute mark and the 4 minute mark in the second half Kentucky only scored 4 points now my final score prediction for this game was 89 to 54 and i thought that they were not going to slow down in the second half and over the course of what 7 minutes score 4 points yeah then that you know no that's not going to cut it moving forward that was a, that was a really disappointing stretch where Kentucky was just turning the ball over or taking really bad shots it was It was just a, a seven minute seven or eight minute stretch where it's just like, Kentucky, what are what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like hey, do, just slow things down, Let's get back into our sets. Let's work the ball around like we were doing in the first half, and we'll be okay. They really seemed rushed in, in the final few minutes of, of this uh, of this game, did not like what I saw uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, between that eleven and four minute mark, that was uh, that was my final takeaway from uh, from from this second half is Kentucky has got to find a way to sustain offense because again I keep talking about what's going to be happening down the line SEC play I'm going to continue to harp on it until it gets here is going to be SEC play is going to be incredibly brutal and I do not think. That Kentucky is going to be able to survive if they are doing things like consistently taking mid-range shots that are statistically not going to go down as often as they have been so far, and they are they are not they are not playing awake on offense, which can happen to you if 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 you've built a thirty-point lead. That's going to happen to it to any team. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose some of that energy. You're gonna lose some of that desire to score because you've you've already kind of set yourself up to win. So. There, there's a little bit of an excuse there, I, I don't want to be too I don't want to be too harsh on a team that just won by by as much as they did. But there were some good things, there were some bad things overall. But but uh, but at the end of the day, I, I am I am pleased with the way that the Kentucky handled business early on in the second half, and I hope that this uh, Oscar Sheebway Severe Wheeler combo is definitely here to stay. All right, we're gonna talk about the college football playoff expansion and what it could potentially mean, just in general, some positives, some negatives, and then what it could potentially mean for the Kentucky Wildcats in just a moment. This is it. This is the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control over your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash ncaa. So head to NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA for a special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Again, that's NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have got to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky, waxy, or just plain hard to choke down, but Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something completely different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein, all of the healthy benefits, and on top of that, it's purely delicious. And they've got so many flavors. They've got coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, which is my personal favorite, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. They've got so many different flavors. And this month, Built Bar is coming out with a new limited time flavor every three to four days. So make sure you go check their website often because you do not want to miss out. Go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code locked15 L O C K E D 1 5 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so final few minutes here in the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Jay Crawford, former sports center anchor, had some juicy takes. Uh, on the college football playoff and how it could be expanded. He uh he talked about the NFL and its system and he talked about how maybe potentially the college football playoff. I know that there was some speculation, there was some speculation rather on some uh expansion earlier on this year. It seems like talk around that have kind of slowed down, but Jay Crawford uh had some interesting thoughts on what uh the college football playoff committee could potentially do to kind of expand Uh, on what they've got right now. So here's Jay Crawford, and here's his thoughts on what his plan would be for an expanded college football playoff.
1: I'm sure you've noticed in the NFL, but this year more than any other, the league really is a week-to-week league. We saw that when the Jags beat the Bills and the Ravens beat the Dolphins. There's been dozens of NFL Shockers this year. I bring this up not to complain, just to make a point. Somehow, on any given Sunday, the bottom of the league can stand up and punch the top of the league in the mouth. And I think that's a good thing. That's the way it's supposed to be. And I guarantee you that will make for a great December and January. The teams we thought two weeks ago were the powerhouses, Arizona, Baltimore, the Bills, all of those teams, they've suffered WTF losses in the last two weeks. It will all sort itself out in December and January, and they'll decide their champion on the field the way it should be. Compare that to the absolute absurdity of Division I college football, where they have four times the number of teams, but only four of those teams will make the playoffs, and those will be decided by humans. So let's recap. 32 NFL teams, almost half the League 14, will make the playoffs, and they'll play it out on the field. In Division I FBS, there's 129 teams, and four of those, selected by humans with undoubted bias, will get a chance to play in the playoffs. You'll have... Three games, and by the way, those three games won't begin until three weeks after the regular season. That is absurd. I have a solution. There's 11 conferences in FBS football. Win your conference championship game, you get an automatic bid to a 16-team tournament. There's five at-large bids. That would make the case for the teams that are powerhouses that had a great regular season but somehow lost in their conference championship game. You get 16 teams you throw them into a tournament, you can play it and end the season at the same time because you don't take 3 weeks off before you start your playoffs. It's really quite simple and it's about time we get that done. That's my take. I'm Jay Crawford. All
0: right, so what Jay was essentially saying there, I'll just reiterate what he what he what he had to say there is you get you get every single division 1 conference, like he said there are 11 of them. And the winner of that conference gets an auto bid. There are five spots left in a 16 team playoff. And then at that point, it's just deciding, I guess, between like ranking, college football, playoff rankings, and different things like that. And here's why I think that might be fun and might not be fun at the same time. First of all, I think one of the things that comes to mind for me immediately as a positive is revenue. So if you're going to have so many different playoff games, obviously, it's uh it's going to be a lot of revenue, I think as opposed to what's going on under the current system, which would be awesome. You also have to factor in like different TV deals and and where where games will be played and different things like that. I think a negative on the flip side of that exact same argument is the fact that bowls, if you if you elect to make, if you elect to make playoff spots bowls, will that mean, will that mean that there are you have to make more bowls and, and invest money into that so that these these teams that get the six wins that don't make the playoff or or anything like that, that y- you have those extra spots for those teams? Or do you just say, oh, well, we have all these different bowl sites now that are that are college football playoff places exclusively and so essentially what you're doing is just cutting out all those extra bowls and if you make six win, if you get six wins you're not necessarily guaranteed to make a bowl game which could be which could be crucial for uh, the end of a season for a coach in the group of 5 or different things like that or even in the power 5 it's also a little bit of a boost of revenue at the end there you could just be essentially telling those teams that get the six wins and don't make it. it's like yeah, tough tough break so that could be an issue with there and then another issue i could think of is if you're asking these kids to play these extra three or four games, if they do get to make it to that point in a uh, in the 16 team playoff system, there's a lot more room for injury, and that is something that I think could scare a lot of people away. But me personally, I would be willing to try and take a shot at this because honestly, it's I'm I'm all for I'm all for parity in college football, and man, does it feel like we've gotten a lot of parity so far this season as a as a uh, as a Kentucky fan. I think that if Stoops is going to continue to to bring in eight, nine, ten win seasons, it's going to give Kentucky a shot to be one of those 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 extra those extra five teams that gets into a playoff system like six like that's a 16 team uh system. So I'm for it. I think that the overall there are too many positives to 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 say no to and as a as a fan of a team that could be potentially on the outside looking in of even a even like an eight team playoff. I say, yeah, I say, yeah, let's, let's see if we can get, uh, some of these, uh, some of these, some of these larger college football playoff, uh, ideas. Let's see if we can get these expansion talks going so we can get some more parity in the sport. And I know that a lot of people out there, and I was one of these people earlier on this season, whenever these discussions were happening, I was one of the people that was saying teams like Cincinnati teams, like UCF, they're never going to get into the college football playoff because they don't recruit to the level of these other schools they don't have the prowess of these other schools they don't have the name of these other schools and frank quite frankly even when they do try and schedule some of these schools they don't look great against them and you look at Cincinnati's schedule so far this season i mean they beat notre dame and notre dame if you've watched them at season they're not a college football playoff caliber team but it is you did schedule notre dame you did be on the road that's a good win for cincinnati i give them credit that is a good solid win you tried to schedule Indiana who people thought were going to be good this season. That was made, I believe, years ago. But I mean, it, it would have potentially worked out great if Indiana had actually decided to, to show up this year, but they're like, what, two and seven, two and eight now? So that win was 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 worthless. And then you look at as as uh conference play has gone on for Cincinnati. I mean, they played Tulsa, I believe, on College Game Day, and it literally took a goal line stand at the end of the game for 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 Cincinnati to beat three and five Tulsa. So I, after seeing during the four, five, six years of this college football playoff system, it makes it hard to believe that a group of five school is ever going to get in over a power five conference champion, even a team like like uh, like Oregon or USC or somebody from the Pac-12, because they don't play as difficult of a schedule. And quite frankly, I don't think any power or group of five school, excuse me, has looked as good as some of the other power five options and even power 5 schools like TCU in 2014 are getting left out. So, I think expansion is a good idea and I think at the end of the day even if you're matching up like a bowling green if they win the MAC or something like that with like a uh, Ohio State or something something crazy like that. Look, on paper, you're going to say these teams are going to get blown out, and it's just an opportunity for these teams, these better teams like Ohio State that have earned the right to play in these in, in this playoff. It's just giving them an opportunity to lose their quarterback to a random injury or something like that. So I, I think that that's, that's an issue. But on the same side, it's like, wouldn't it be cool if we got to see Bowling Green beat Ohio State in the postseason? That would be pretty neat. I'm all for parity in college football. So this is just an outlet to do that. And I definitely think that uh, I definitely think that there should be more conversations surrounding what Jay Crawford was just talking about there. All those right. on Kentucky. We're going to be talking about a little bit of Kentucky recruiting. We're going to be talking about Reed Shepherd, who was going to be uh, announcing his commitment uh, this Saturday. We don't know where he's going. I'm pretty sure he's going to Kentucky. We're going to talk about what he could potentially bring to the table for the Wildcats. We're also going to talk about. Uh, Kentucky football's uh, game against New Mexico State this Saturday. Going to talk about some of the matchups in that game. All that and more coming up on tomorrow's edition of Locked on Kentucky. Look, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, be sure to subscribe. Follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked on Kentucky as soon as it's available each and every day. You can follow me on Twitter at Daw Pound. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. Again, we'll see you all tomorrow. Go Wildcats!